Blog Talk Radio. Hey, what up, Q? What up, Radio World? My name is Quincy. And this is my show, the Talk to Q Radio Show. It's almost like posting a blog, except I'm doing it live.
That's 347-202-0215. If you decide to call in and you get the urge to voice your opinion, then after you connect, simply hit 1 on your dial pad. That lets me know that you're ready to speak, and it places you in the host queue. And please mute your phone if you're not speaking at the time, because background noise picks up easily over cell phones and headsets. Now, another way you can contribute to the show is to follow me on Twitter at TalkToQ. There is a live tweet chat that occurs during the show, and you can respond to some of the same questions that I'm asking over the air in most cases. Please search and use hashtag T2Q to read and respond to all show tweets. If you want to learn more about me, the show, or the show legends, then journey on over to TalkToQ.com. And if you can't listen to the entire show live, then you can find T2Q on iTunes and just pick up where you left off. Maintenance complete. T2Q show number 534 starts right after a word from CrystalHickerson.com. The novels of Crystal Hickerson. The Magician. The metaphysical action drama about the fight between good and evil which holds the fate of man in the balance. Street Corners, a tragic romantic crime saga of a man who has the hearts of two very different women in his hands. The choice he makes will hurt them both. Wanted, a ghostly story about a woman caught between the planes of life and death. It is left up to the reader to decide which reality was real. The Volunteer. The struggle of a man with his career and his life teetering on thin ice. Can love truly conquer all? And if you think this is the end for Crystal, you would be wrong. For as you listen to this, a new dynamic tale is on the way. Go to crystalhickerson.com to purchase all of her novels. Follow her on social media and listen to her on the radio at thecrystalshow.com. Enter the amazing world at crystalhickerson.com. Thanks to crystalhickerson.com for being the official sponsor of the Talk to Q radio show tonight. 347-202-0215 is the number. You know, Halloween's rolling around, and so I decided to talk about things that scare us, or maybe things that we don't think about that should scare us. To the phones I go. The 850. Area code, Emerald Coastline of Pensacola, Florida, to welcome on the man in black, Buck. What's up, man? <laughs> What's up? What up? What up? How's everybody doing this evening? Doing well, bro. Excellent. And now I'm going to go north of you, 248 area code, the Motor City of Detroit, to welcome on the author, the show hostess, the show legend. Crystal Hickerson. Chris, what's going on? Hello, Q. How are you? Buck, how are you? I am outstanding. Outstanding. And we will go ahead and jump right into this, okay? Um, First of all, I just spent the last couple of hours watching the GOP debate on TV. First of all, I'll say 
the de- the debate candidates owned the moderators. All right, they called out the moderators for their line of questioning. Um, I mean, and it was legitimate some of the things they did. How they pointed out how they were just more interested in making the candidates fight than they were in actually getting answers to important questions. And uh, it was pretty embarrassing. But anyway, um, Crystal, I'll start with you first. I don't know if you saw the mm-hmm. debate tonight or if you've seen the previous debates, but, you know, it's Halloween. We're talking real fears here. Which one of the candidates from the GOP debate would scare you the most if elected? Or from the Democratic side, either one. Oh, let's see. Scare me the most. Well, even though I don't believe that Donald Trump is really running for president, um, I think he would be a very scary candidate. And Ben Carson, just the fact that he's so close in the polls is extremely terrifying to me. Mm-hmm. Okay. But what about you, man? Who, you know, gives you the willies? Just the thought of them becoming president. Oh, uh, all of them are kind of scary, right, to be honest with you, because ain't none of them really... <laughs> Ain't none of them really, you know, worth a shit. But if I had to pick one, I would probably say Trump because Trump sounds like the dumbest one that's running. Uh, ben Carson is actually not too far behind him either. So it just it, the, the candidates that are there right now just they're just uh, you know those two in particular are kind of scary. I mean, um, I guess. For me, I, I, I don't know. I, I, Mike Huckabee is a little weird to me. Uh, but Dr. Ben Carson, half the time, I just wonder if he's awake when he's on stage. Because when he talks, he closes his eyes, and it looks like he's putting himself to sleep. And uh, he has to be <laughs> one of the most boring men I've ever seen. But uh, I don't know. Listening to them talk about Rubio tonight and how he's, like, kind of ruined, got blown through his own personal finances. It's almost like, how is he going to manage the country if he's, you know, blowing through his own 401Ks or something they alluded to, I guess. But, but anywho, so, um, all right, and these are just going to be random questions about different things regarding fears. Crystal, I mean, I don't know if you let your kids participate in Halloween or not, but I'm assuming that you did since you seem to embrace the holiday. Um, you know, some parents don't like their kids to go out because they're afraid of someone putting something in the candy and things of that nature. Well, they've been talking about on the news as a way of how the party drug ecstasy could pass for a hand on Wayne candy. How do you protect your kids from sickos out there who are looking to, to do harm to children on Halloween? Well, don't let them go trick-or-treating. <laughs> basically um, you know or go go to certain areas and just don't go to random places even if within your neighborhood you may just go to um, kind of where everybody else is going as far as the nicer neighborhoods or the ones that are more inclined to be Halloween friendly or have a party of your own and um Invite the kids over for a safe Halloween party with you and and the friends and family around the neighborhood. 
they don't have the courtesy of getting over in the fast lane and giving you your space. They'll just pass you to the point to where, you know, you can reach out and touch the mirror, you know, the side mirror if you wanted to. So my biggest fear is someone not paying attention and hitting me while I'm stalled on the side of the road when it comes to that situation. But something mm-hmm. else, Buck, that I know you're familiar with from when we used to go out back in the day, and that's being too close to a nightclub fight. Um, Ooh, yeah. <laughs> there were times yeah, when yeah. we were up in Inez's or something, and you hear people getting loud with one another, and all of a sudden you start checking for the exits, which there's always only one exit and everything. And, man, what's about, talk about some of the dangers of being – because a lot of people don't know – um, or some people are oblivious, and that's something that I learned over the years going to nightclubs, that you have people in there who just don't have a plan when things go wrong. Talk about why it's important to have a plan and how things can go south really fast in a nightclub. Things can go very south. I mean, you need to be prepared, and depending on what type of gl- club that you go to, any club really that you go to, you really need to be prepared, especially on full moon nights because they're more active than nights that without full moons. And I'm, you, I'm telling you from experience because, you know, just going to the club, being bouncer, that kind of thing, you know, those things that you run into. But, you know, be aware of your exits. Um, be aware of, of hostile people, you know, people that are causing trouble in the club, you know, with multiple people. Uh, that's something that you definitely got to keep an eye on because you just don't know, you know, what could happen. And um, you just have to be prepared for that. And if you're not prepared, you, you you don't know where the exits are. You don't know how to get out. <laughs> so yeah. you just need to you need to be prepared because uh, if something breaks out, you don't want to be an innocent bystander where you get hit um, by by a person. So you just want to be sure that you you know or multiple people because bottles are flying, fists are flying. You know you just don't know what could be. You know. Could be knives, bullets, what have you. Just when you get in whatever club you go to, just kind of check the exit. You know, check where your exits are, just to be safe. Um, make sure you're not too far from one. If you're in a club that's kind of skeptical, or a club that you know, you know something's gonna pop off when you when you're there. So just you know, kind of be aware of your surroundings, because I can't tell you how many times we've gone to clubs and seen things pop off. Um, Regardless of where you know where the club was, um, we've seen things pop off at Inez in the parking lot and inside. Um, just like you know, hanging out on the reservoir back in the day, we've seen things happen out there. Um, it just doesn't matter where you go. I mean, it can be you know, it just you just have to be prepared. Always have your wits about you. Don't get too intoxicated or high or whatever you, you know, whatever your poison is. Always be aware because you don't want to be in the, you know, don't want to put rush death, so to speak, as the old folks say. Hmm. And, Crystal, I mean, I'm pretty sure you know the best clubs are the ones that are, are probably the scariest. And a lot of people really don't think about um, things that could be wrong when they're partying. You know, it's very easy to have a situation go bad. Um, when you're out in a nightclub and you get caught with a stray bottle being thrown or someone starts shooting or something. So shouldn't you always have a plan when you go to nightclubs? Um, I guess, you know. Duh. You never thought about it either? No, I'm too drunk. 
or maybe call someone? Would you keep driving, trying to get to somewhere that's well lit? I mean, given today's climate, I mean, how how would you handle that? Um. Well, I guess I would. You know, I would. Well, the thing to do is depending on how far away you are, I guess, from the next place. Um, if you can see, you know, some somewhere to pull over, then I would just keep driving until I got to, you know, the next rest stop or something. But, um, but I guess I would, you know, you guess you, I guess I would pull over and try to be as respectful as possible. I never had that situation happen where I was pulled over um, in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> but rarely am am I in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, no, I mean, I don't know. I guess, I mean, I guess I would pull over. And I know you aren't supposed to. Or, well, mm-hmm. you're supposed to, but then they say you should, like, try to get to um, a more, you know, an area where there's people are or something. But who knows? I mean, hell, the cop may follow you and decide to shoot at you for the, they think you're trying to avoid, you know, arrest or something. So mm-hmm. it may make it worse. I'm not sure. So I guess I will go over and take my chances. Be nice. All right. Buck, what do you think, man? Do you take a chance? Do you pull over? See what he wants? Or do you keep it rolling until you get somewhere in public? Well, I make sure I stay in well-lit areas because especially now in today's time, not taking the chance, um, you know, I'll turn on my flashes to, you know, let him know that I'm going to pull over, but I won't pull over until I get into a, you know, into a, you know, well-lit area. And probably, you know, one of the things I've been thinking about doing is actually getting a dash camera of my own to be rolling in the event that I do get pulled over. I mean, they're most of them now, you know, are under a hundred dollars. So, just to be smart, you know, just to have one, you know, that way, you know, I'm I'm covered. So if any of them try to clown, you know, I got something, you know, I got some backup. You know, typically I don't have any problem with any police officers. Typically, as long as you do what you're supposed to be doing, you know, you, you know, you don't get in any trouble. So, as long as you're not, you know, being hostile or you know, showing your ass, you should be fine. But, you know, in today's time, especially after seeing that, you know, just a regular resource officer, you know, pretty much, you know, throw a damn throw a damn student across the room, it ain't no telling what some of these jokers may do. So it just be, you know, I'd rather be safe than sorry, just, you know, be prepared. Okay. And, um, yeah, I mean, that's just, if if I see blue lights behind me now, I mean, my heart starts racing a lot more than what it used to. Back in the day, I used to race because I just didn't want to get a speeding ticket. But now, I mean, I have all these scenarios that come to mind. I got to think of like, all right, I got to be on my P's and Q's because I don't want to be an accident. You know, oh, I thought he was going for a gun or something like that. And I mean, you shouldn't have to have that type, those type of thoughts from just being pulled over for whatever reason. But, I mean, as a black man in America, I, I, I honestly have those thoughts. However people may feel about it, I have those thoughts. I go into survival mode. So, all right, Crystal, this is something I hope that has never happened to you or never will happen to you. But um, I do know 
of a situation where it happened at a company where I worked when I was with AT&T. When you get a an email that's inappropriate, but, you know, it's funny, something someone sends to you, and when you go to forward that email, you somehow send it to everyone in the company. Um, how would you handle accidentally sending an inappropriate email to everyone on your job? Because that has to be fear-defined. Well, I mean, there's not a whole lot you can do in that situation because it's gone now. I guess the Get best thing to do is... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you can immediately go to your supervisor or, you know, boss or whatever and explain that this is this has happened. So at least, you know, when they hear about it, they've already heard about it from you. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, if you could do that, that may be the only thing that you could do to try to diffuse the situation. Um, but, yeah, I mean... I guess there's not a whole lot you can do just, you know, to plead your case or something um, that, you know, you're on your lunch break at your desk or, well, you don't even have to be at your desk because, you know, it, we're all, you know, electronically chained now. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't matter where you are. You have your work phone and, and all that stuff and your work computer and laptops and stuff. So you're like always... Um, to be, you know, looking at something personal, even though you're off work, but you you may still be linked in to your job stuff, and, and yeah, that could happen sometimes too. But um, but yeah, I mean, I guess be extra careful. There's no such thing as um, what you know, uh, trying to bring it back. Some people think they can actually do that. You really can't. <laughs> that doesn't really work. <laughs> so. But anyway, yeah, that's not that's the only thing I can say to do is just to go and try to diffuse the situation as soon as possible. I don't know Yeah, and apologize, you know, grovel, whatever. <laughs> okay. And, I mean, to me, that's just, you know, a very bad and uncomfortable situation. I don't know if it gets more uncomfortable than that. But, um, but what about some other fears associated with being in the office, like maybe being falsely accused of sexual harassment, you know, knowing that it could cost you your job? I mean, having someone investigate you, I mean, doesn't that give you a healthy fear to know how, that you have to go through something like that, especially if you're being falsely accused? Oh, most definitely. I mean, you know, you know, a lot in, you know, there's a lot of office hoopla. You know, and that's kind of the reason why I kind of got out of the office because, you know, you if, you know sometimes you know if you happen to be decent, you know, good looking or whatnot, you know, you get accused just because you're talking to somebody. They think you're screwing every every damn fine woman in the damn office. You know, and it's like you don't you know you can be friends with people without screwing them. And you know, okay. the first thing you know is, you know, first thing you know, oh, you you're talking to this one, you're talking to this one, you're talking to this one. I'm like. Y'all don't have nothing else better to do to figure out, you know, just try to figure out that I'm screwing this one, that one, and the other one, when it's not that, you know, it's nowhere near that way. So, you know, if that gets back to a boss, then next thing you know, they're calling you in the office asking you questions, you know. So I don't like office hoopla, and I don't like to be, you know, I don't like people doing stuff like that. So, you know, it could be nerve-wracking, 
especially when you're just doing your job and, you know, being falsely accused. It doesn't make sense. So um, it could cause all kinds of issues. And I've seen it happen to other people where, you know, they get fired and nothing ever happened because they weren't doing anything to begin with other than just having, a, you know, casual conversation. But you got that one person in the office that doesn't like anybody and just always want to keep up a bunch of bullshit. So, you know, it got to keep your, you know, you got to keep your eyes peeled, you know, and you know, especially if you're in a new place, you want to figure out who the who the clowns are early, so that way you don't have to deal with them. Mm. Well, I think anytime you have a um, there's a chance you can lose your job, it's definitely um, something to be scared of, or something that's going to invoke fear by a lot of people. Um, but Crystal, let me ask you this, and this is something from a perspective as a mother. Um, do you recall the first time? Who your son is old is the oldest, right? I'm sorry. Is your son your oldest child? Yeah. All right. Do you remember the first time you trusted him enough to let him out of your sight? Like maybe you were at the mall, and he's like, "Mom, I want to go." to the arcade or I want to go into the toy store or whatever. I mean, I don't know what age he would have been, and you can disclose what age he he may have been. But do you remember the first time you trusted him to go somewhere alone as a child? And what was that feeling like for you as a parent? Well, um, for my, uh, I guess, for my son, when he was, he was, I guess out of my sight sometimes, you know, when he was really young because he went to school and, and, um, and different, but I guess alone completely, I guess would be probably around 11 or 12. Um, maybe a little sooner than that, maybe nine. And, um, you know, anytime my children are away from me, it's, it's, you know, horrific. Um, you know, it's scary. And especially Mm -hmm. with me, because I'm I'm a paranoid kind of person, Mm -hmm. but, um, you know, for but actually for him, he was he's a very level-headed person. So and and you know, for for boys, they you know you you don't have as much fear per se, or mm-hmm. it's a different type of fear, I guess, than with girls. But um, but yeah, um, around yeah around when he was like a. Pretty around ten or eleven, he was he was he was able to go and play and do things. Like I said, probably even sooner in the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. But um, but yeah, I mean I mean I felt okay because like I said, he was a very level-headed uh, kid and now man. So. All right. So what about when he, I guess, first started driving on his own to where you know he's beyond permit status. He has his driver's license. And now he's taking the vehicle out on his own. I mean, did you have any fear at that point? Or as a parent, had you kind of gotten used to um, allowing the kid more and more independence as he got older and it wasn't that big of a deal? Well, when he started driving, yeah, that's a a different type of of fear because now he's in this uh, machine that, you know, can fuck up and then young drivers are – you know, they don't know that much about the road, and they are doing so many different things when they're driving, um, which actually ended up happening with, uh, with a car of mine when he first started driving. 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, um, I, yeah, I hadn't had the car very long at all. I had it like maybe a few weeks mm. and totaled. <laughs> so, mm. whatever. Um, but he walked out alive, and so did the passenger. So, um, you know, so I guess you can you feel wonderful about that. It was, it was uh, could have been a worse, definitely a worse situation, but it wasn't. But I didn't have a car. The car was gone. So that, so after, especially after that, and and you know, even before that, I was, you know, of course, I was scared that you know he would get into an accident, which he ended up doing. I was also scared of the fact that he wouldn't get back in the time that I told him to get back because you know, <laughs> yeah, I had other things to do, things like that that you worry about with with kids. And then you have the whole thing of just being on the road and. They're not experienced enough to um, to watch what they're doing and to watch other drivers and what they're doing. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's a little terrifying. I mean, you know, anytime your kid is not within eyesight is is terrifying. Even when they are grown, sometimes you know, you okay. think about what they're doing and how they're okay. Okay, and but and it's saying like maybe we. We we found a question here that does invoke fear in, in some people. Just you know, listening to what Crystal's response was. Um, another example, Buck, is like maybe if the child joins the military, it has to be deployed overseas. I mean, do you, can you think of any examples of situations where your kids are are leaving you, and you know, there's that uncertainty that makes you kind of have a a healthy fear of the situation. Yeah, I mean, definitely. Um, I could just tell you from experience when my son moved to Vegas, my 15-year-old, I was just afraid because I just know how my ex is on, on certain things. And, uh, you know, she's and a good, How old was he at the time? He was, uh, was 12. And mm-hmm. um, the thing was, you know, she's a good parent, but there's a lot of things she let just go by the wayside that I don't. You know, we definitely have different parenting styles. Because you know mm-hmm. the, first, the the older two that we had, you know they they suffered by her her lack of, you know letting you know boys be boys. But you know there's certain mm-hmm. things you just can't let boys do, and um, a lot of that caused them to get in trouble. Now you know now she doesn't do those type of things, which is good. But there's still some things that she's lack on 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 a couple of things. You know mainly because she just doesn't have the time. And, you know, sometimes, you know, some things kind of slip through. But in any event, when he moved out there, I wasn't sure because at that particular time, my ex was dealing with some demons of her own. And I and then didn't find out until after the fact, but I kind of suspected something was going on. But um, I was just a fear of him being in Vegas and me being in Pensacola. That was a huge fear, you know, because Vegas is a different city. So, you know, it's a whole lot mm-hmm. more pull out more out there, so you know, I was worried about the school systems. You know, Sean's pretty well rounded for the most part, but you know, you wonder about the type of kids he'll be around and things of that nature where you pick up some bad habits through them. Right. You know, those type of things. You know, you and, and you know, there's more violence in, in in Vegas than it is in Pensacola. So those kind of fears were, you know, elevated to a certain extent for me because, you know, him being so far away when, you know, he's been, I've been used to him being close, you know, just across town, 
you know, it was definitely a fear of mine, but I've also seen friends of mine that, you know, I have a friend of mine now that has a son that's, that's deployed. You know, he's in, he's in the sea, you know, he's in the sea, you know, for six months, six months to a year at a time. And he's only, I think he's 19 now, 19 or 20. So, <clears throat> you know, and he had never stepped outside of, you know, the you know, other than going on trips with his family, never stepped outside of Florida. So for him to be deployed overseas, you know, on a, you know, on a boat in the Navy was definitely a fear of my friend Teresa. She, you know, she's really, really scared that he's going to be out there. And, you know, in the event that, you know, they may get deployed into, you know, to one of these hostile areas because boats, like, you know, are one of the first to arrive on the scene, you know, overseas, something, you know, something's about to pop off. So she was definitely scared as far as that goes. So, you know, there are two instances right there where, you know, Fear, you know, fear of your kids being far, far away from you. It's just, you know, it's definitely something that you think about and always worry about. You know, every day, even though I know he's okay now, you know, I still worry about that to this day because he's not around me. Right. Yeah, um, I, I do see both of the points that you all have made. Now, I'm not a parent, but. Uh, I've taken, you know, my God, kids to the mall, and I remember uh, the youngest, she was probably seven at the time or six, and she was right behind me. You know, it only takes a second, and so I turned to my left looking for her, but she was on, she had gone to my right to throw something away in, in the garbage can, which is about 10, 15 feet away. And just for that split second that I didn't see her, because I, I knew she was there and I turned back and she was gone, man, my heart was just jumping out of my chest. Now, of course, I turned the other way. I saw her, but just that fast, I went from zero to 100. So I can only imagine what you all go through on a regular basis, having your kids leave your presence to do different things, you know, maybe going out with friends for the first time with the car. You're hoping that no one drinks or does something stupid, uh, or letting them, you know, go to the mall with friends and, you know, giving them to the talk about stay away from strangers and don't get near any passenger vans and things of that nature. I mean, there's so much that goes into trying to keep your kids safe that it seems like it would make the average person a, a nervous wreck 24-7 for the most part. All right, so uh, this right here is a real... Uh, fear of mine. And Crystal, you can let me know if you've been in this situation before. Uh, you're at a friend's house. Your friend invites you over. And they have this huge dog, right, that's just walking around unattached and everything. And you're like, yo, man, get your dog. And they tell you, what do they always say? Oh, man, he doesn't bite. I, I mean, how do you handle that, Crystal? Because, you know, they say if you're nervous around dogs, they can sense it. Well, yeah, they can, but, you know, I just stay away from them. I don't like dogs anyway. Um, so I'm not one to go up around them, especially dogs that, you know, these guys usually have, you know, a lot of them that are legal now. Yeah, I just don't get into those kind of dogs. I don't get into guys that get into those kind of dogs. Uh, I know it's kind of a guy thing, so whatever. But, um, But, no, I don't like them, and so I don't. Yeah, 
I don't, I didn't like, I walked to the other side of the street. I happened to be passing one, even though they may be like behind the fence or whatever. I don't like dogs barking at me. I don't like any of that kind of stuff. So yeah, I just keep my distance from those kind of dogs. I mean, and they may be, you know, perfectly fine, mm-hmm. but uh, no, no, I don't, I don't interact with dogs. Okay. But how do you handle that, man? Because, you know, even if if the dog is small enough for me to handle, you know, I don't want to hurt somebody's dog either. <laughs> I remember one time we were passing out some uh, flyers. Now, I'm, uh, I, I'm yeah. <laughs> but anyway, we were passing out flyers for, um, for a congressman or something, and we were in Laurel, Mississippi. I'll never forget it. And um, we were passing. We, You know, we had bikes. You know, they, the guy let us bring the bikes down there and whatnot. So anyway, Quentin walked up to this house, and it was a little dog there, right? It wasn't a big one. I was expecting to be a huge one. We saw two dogs that day, but I'm going to tell you about both of them real quick. Man, that little dog had Quentin of froze, man. I'm going like, man, it's a little dog, man. Where are you freezing for? That dog ain't going to bite you. I just saw something running at me. He came out of the garage. I couldn't tell how big he was. Yeah, Quincy come out, come around that joker like you just thought he was running. He was running against Carl Lewis. That son of a bitch was hollering ass because he was getting away from that. But that second one he saw, that second one even scared me a little bit because that damn thing was bigger than a fucking cow. That joker was huge. I don't know. It was bigger than a Saint Bernard. I know that. And if he would have stood up on his hind legs, he'd probably be taller than me. And I'm six two, so I was like, okay, it's time to bounce. That 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 was we got on the bike and we hauled ass. We were looking for the guy that dropped us off. We got we got we got a break. We didn't put out as many we gonna put out. Even though we weren't finished, we were finished after seeing that dog. I was like, mm mm, no way. But typically in a house that um, people have, you know, dogs, you know, if they say they don't bite, they typically do. So I, I just politely ask them, can you put the dog away? Um, I go in a lot of houses on a weekly, weekly basis because of the type of job that I do. If I think the dog could injure me or injure somebody that's with me, I just politely tell them, you know, you need to put your dog away. Or if the dog's going to get away, you know, if the dog's too happy and he's playing with you while you're trying to do your job, you know, put your dog up, you know. So, you know. Don't be shy. Just ask me to put the dog away if the dog bothers you. I think you have to do that. I mean, and I think it's rude for someone, even though I've heard people say, well, the dog lives here, you don't. You know, I, I'm going to turn around and leave. I mean, again, it's not always about being afraid of the dog yourself. Sometimes you don't want the dog to put you in a position to where you might kick that rascal. <laughs> and then the person is going to be mad at you because you, you know, defended yourself against the dog. And so... To people out there, if you have a dog and someone says they're uncomfortable around your animal, put the animal up, all right? You know, don't be rude and say, well, the dog lives here, you don't, because that's the case, I can go. You know, put the animal up. It makes some people uncomfortable. So, Crystal, this may not apply to you, but I know you've seen and heard of this type of situation. When a guy leaves his cell phone unlocked around his woman... Um, you know, there are some, there are some guys who maybe are actually not cheating, 
but they don't want something to be misconstrued or anything like that. Is the fear that some guys have of leaving their cell phones around their women ever legitimate, or is it always just up to no good? Um. Well, yeah. I mean, I guess the fear is that I guess she's gonna look at it, look at his cell phone. Is that what you mean? Yeah, yeah, and see something and take it the wrong way or out of context or something, you know. Or maybe he's actually cheating. Well, he probably is cheating, but, uh, yeah, I mean, if he leaves the phone, then, of course, she's going to look at it. I mean, you have to. I mean, that's <laughs> the only opportunity. I mean, even if she wasn't thinking about that's it. That's the rule, I mean, huh? That's the rule, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, lock it, double lock it, or use a dummy phone. I mean, I don't know why you can't just do that. I mean, I mean, there's so many people have multiple phones these days, and then you, um, and of course you can get the trap phones if you just buy any phone. So I don't see why guys just don't have their regular phone that is like I don't know their iPhone six or something, the main phone that they use, is, you know, Android, whatever, and they mm-hmm. use that. Um, use that for your regular stuff, like the stuff that you would, you know, have around your, your family, your girlfriend, that kind of stuff. And then you you buy a regular little phone, you know, for everything else, you know. I mean, I don't, I don't understand why men just can't do that. I mean, it's, it's the it easiest expensive. thing in the world. It's not. It's just a prepaid phone. You know, you only use it for that. So it's not like you need a whole bunch of minutes on there anyway or you're going to use up anything. I mean, so you just get a phone. Probably You could probably use your old phone and then, you know, get the SIM card and just hook it up, and then you just use that for that, you know. When you upgrade, you still have your other phone, so just use that. And then they never know, and you never put it anywhere that they would find it. Because it's not a part of your regular day-to-day stuff. You got this all figured out. It's so simple. It's like ridiculous. <laughs> That's why I don't understand how men get caught doing that. Because there's, nowadays, I can see, you know, back in the day when cell phones first came out, everybody only had one phone, you know, basically. Yeah. In a, in a pager. So, but now, you can have many phones. And you just, if she happens to see it, just say, hey, that's my work phone. Because, you know, work always gives you stupid, crappy phones a lot of times. You can just say, oh, that's my work phone. That's the phone that they gave me. You know, and so she probably look at it and go, oh, okay, it's a flip phone. Of course, why would he use that? And, you know, he's mainly using his, you know, his major phone. So, I mean, it's so simple. So simple. See, y'all need to skip <laughs> Ashley Madison and be trying to figure out Crystal Hickerson. She got that game for you. <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> logic. <laughs> <laughs> All right, going to take a quick break before I get into my last few questions. Um, want to play a song from a, an artist known as um, Xavier Toscano. The name of the song is Never Wanna Leave. Uh, you can check him out at XavierToscano.com, X-A-V-I-E-R-T-O-S-C-A-N-O. Dot com. And again, the name is the song Never Want to Leave here on the Talk to Q Radio Show. And we'll be back right after this song to finish up the topic of things you really should be afraid of. Mm-hmm. 
thanks to Xavier Toscano for the song Never Wanna Leave. Visit XavierToscano.com. You can find his video on Vivo. Check him out there. And um, thanks for being a supporter of Talk to Q Radio Show. 347-202-0215 is the number. A few more questions on this topic. Um, Buck, I'm going to ask you this, and this is just get a, an opinion from a man's perspective. What's your fear factor, I guess, when it comes to, like, a busted condom or a woman who misses her period? Explain the type of anxiety that a guy goes through in situations like that. <laughs> a busted condom when she goes through her period. Let's go with the busted condom first. <laughs> the way you said that, well, I'm going, okay. I don't know. That's never happened to me before. But anyway, um, busted condom, I mean, first of all, you got to know who you're dealing with first. You know, you got to make sure you're dealing, not dealing with it. You know, somebody that is an undesirable and you just, you know, you're just horny and just got to, you know, hit it. Um, you got to make sure you're dealing with somebody that, that, you know, you know who you're dealing with. If condom breaks and you know who you're dealing with, it's not that big a deal. But if it's somebody you don't, then it could be a big deal. So, but that's a common sense factor, if you ask me. You should always know who you're dealing with on the front end anyway, you know. Shouldn't be going out there knocking it out the box first time anyway, you know, get to know the person first. That doesn't always happen. So, you just have to be on your P's and Q's and, tell, you know, use common sense. Um, but, you know, try to know the person that you're dealing with first. And, you know, same thing, you know, period also. I mean, you got to know what's, you know, you got to know what's going on, ask questions. You know, if you suspect or see, you know, a lot of times women will outright tell you, you know, so that way it won't be no, you know, shock or anything. So, but common sense should always play a role in, in, in that aspect on those two particular instances. I mean, and that's, and that's true, and that's, common sense should always prevail. But, Crystal, we both know that if everyone had common sense, there wouldn't be so many unplanned pregnancies and STDs around. I mean, so it seems like there has to be an immediate fear when something like that happens. Or, I mean, I guess from a woman's perspective, if a woman misses her period, do a lot of them, is it a big deal to a lot of them, or does it happen frequently enough to where some women really don't sweat it when it, when it you know, first comes about? Well, <clears throat> missing your period it could, be, could be a lot of different reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, some women, they miss their period. They, they're very irregular. Um, so it happens for them. Okay. And sometimes, you know, your period floats throughout the month um, where it's, um, it, like I say, if it came at the end of the month, then the next month it may be the first of the month, and it could just float throughout the um, month where it's mm-hmm. in the middle of the month. And the end. So, I mean, so the first time it's missed, it may not be, depending on the woman, it may not be very uh, that too big of a deal um, mm-hmm. because other changes happen in your body to let you know you're pregnant. Um, you know, you do feel different. Uh, and... Um, and other things start happening. So that's when you really start noticing that you're probably a month in, actually. So it may be you miss your second period, you you know, real, real issues going on there. 
But um, but then there are women who are very very regular. So it mm-hmm. depends on the woman. But um, but as far as the condom breaking, yeah, that's always a problem because it's not just the fact of whether or not you're going to have a, ba- a baby, get pregnant, or whatever. The the fact of STD. That's right, the main right. issue. And so, um, so you, of course, even if you can't get pregnant, then you still need to, you know, have them wear a condom because of the STDs. So that's, you know, that's always worrisome. It just happens. And, of course, you probably wouldn't know or care in the middle. But, um, yeah. I think, but then there are, actually, that did happen. I mean, there are things you can do right afterwards to make sure you don't have get pregnant. They do have the the, the pill that you can take afterwards. So, morning after pill. So you do have options. No, oh, yeah, uh, like uh, my, my man K. Merriweather said on Twitter, he said he's married and is married and snipped, so he's good. <laughs> so he's my man saying married and snipped. All right. So, let's talk about something that, of course, people do have um, a phobia of, and one of those are, you know, bugs. You know, how some people hate spiders, some people hate just anything with multiple eggs. Um, but this is something that's actually happened to me before. Uh, Crystal, how would you respond? I mean, is there like a certain bug that you hate, or you hate all of them, or one more than another? Um, bugs, um, I guess things like centipedes or whatever. Yeah, I don't like anything. I don't like anything about that. They have too many legs. Yeah. Um, I don't like anything like that or anything, anything that slithers. I really don't like. Um, I'm okay with spiders. It's not really a big deal for me. Um, but yeah, anything that slithers, I don't like. <laughs> yeah. All right, so let's let's go with um, a centipede. If you're driving, mm-hmm. you're on the freeway, and you look down and see a centipede crawling up your seatbelt, right there across your chest, uh, uh, how how would you handle that? Well, I'd scream and knock it off, and hopefully, there's no one close to me. On the road. <laughs> so probably... not, not going to stand up on the brakes and kill everybody behind you then. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> no, I won't stand up, but I probably swerve, you know, a little bit, definitely, um, and probably freak out enough where I may need to pull over to make sure that it's dead or gone. And you know, yeah, I would have to do that. <sighs> yeah. I know you like just the thought of it, <laughs> but what about you, man? Well, I mean, bugs typically don't bother me. I don't care about spiders, scorpions, any of that kind of shit. Um, they just, you know, to me, I'm bigger than they are, so they're going to die first. Because, you know, I'm big enough where, you know, they're going to be running from my ass, so I could care less about about them. Um, the only thing I don't like bug-wise is actually wasps, because in my line of yeah. work and going to, and going to um, residential houses, um, that was one summer um, that I ended up getting stung eight times by wasps. <laughs> the wasps here, you got those big red wasps like you like to do back in Mississippi. But mm-hmm. you don't see those, those nests. Those nests are really, really tricky. And those little yellow ones, 
down here are actually a little, just about as bad as the red ones because they swarm, you know, you hit one of their nests, they actually come after the, the yellow ones come after you, and they hit you immediately. They, they're not running. They're going to come right to you. So, you know, and you don't know where the yellow, the yellow wasps, you really don't know where the nests are. So, and they're more concentrated, and there's a whole lot, um, whole lot more of them on there. There's one house on the west side that I used to that I used to clean carpet for these people, and the wasps had gotten so bad that they actually got inside the post where the staircase was because they didn't have the little covers. They had those those um, hollow poles going up to the steps and the poles that you know holding up the the staircase. So the wasps actually flew in and they had like multiple. There were like thousands of these jokers inside. So if you hit the staircase with your hand, they're coming out the hole. And I was carrying up some hoses up there getting ready to do this house, and I was like, where are these walls coming from? I could see them, and I'm duck, ducking, but I didn't know where they were coming from. And then I saw the hole, and the lady was telling me they're coming out of the hole. So I, had, I happened to have some wall spray in the truck. Man, I used two whole cans, and they were still flying. They were just flying and falling, hitting the ground because they were dying, but there must have been at least, 10,000 of these damn jokers inside because they had made just like a whole cave worth of wasps in there. And I told the lady, I said, you need to call, you know, some sort of special, you know, like a beekeeper or something like that to have them come out and catch them all because it was just that many. So wasps would be the one for me. Okay. Well, I was going down Interstate 20 uh, some years ago. And I looked down, and there was this huge wasp crawling up my seatbelt towards me. Now, I don't know what made me glance down. I looked down, and he looked like he was looking directly at me, as if he was going to fly directly into my face. You know, he they always look angry. You can't never tell, but they always look angry. And so, you know, I'm rolling about 80 miles per hour. I have traffic, I mean, 80 miles per, yeah, per hour. I have traffic around me and everything. So, um... Somehow, I calmly, you know, put on my signal, slowed down, and got out to the side of the road, and it stayed on the seatbelt. It never actually got onto my clothing. And then I had to try to figure out what to do as far as getting the seatbelt off because, you know, if I push the button and the seatbelt slides up, that's going to actually bring them up towards my face. And... um so I got over to the side of the road. I couldn't make up my mind on what to do with the seatbelt. And I decided to just roll down the window and slowly undo my seatbelt and kind of usher him towards the window. And he flew off towards the windshield, you know, which allowed me to kind of make my escape and get something to finally get him out. But you all have no idea the the level of fear that went through my mind when I looked down and saw this thing. Because I do not like being stung. I've been stung so many times in my life, and I know Buck can attest, the, the big red wasps are the worst. Those things pack a punch, and uh, that's just something you just don't want to encounter. And I saw an episode of um, Dateline NBC where this lady went to uh, the florist, and she got some flowers, and she put the flowers in her back seat, and there was a snake in one of the flower pots. And so I guess it crawled, you know, crawled out of the pot and went under her seat and it bit her on the ankle. And she had to go to the hospital, you know, it was a rattlesnake or something. And 
I mean, you don't want anything in the car with you. Okay, that's a healthy fear. You want to be whatever's in the car with you. You want it to be on the front seat where you can see it, like in the form of a person, because that's just bad. But all right, last question, just on real fears. And Crystal, this is just a real fear of mine. What would be, on a scale of one to ten, I mean, I guess, what would be your reaction or fear factor to waking up tomorrow without a dime to your name? Without a dime to my name? Yep. A scale of one to ten, I don't know, four or five? Oh, okay, you can handle it then. Okay, why so calm? It is what it is. <laughs> Money can always be made. Okay. That's a very resourceful young woman right there. Buck, what about you, man? You wake up tomorrow about a dime to your name, man. What's your reaction to that? Scale of one to ten. Buck? Yeah, I'm here. What was it? Yeah, on a scale of 1 to 10, a scale of 1 to 10, what's your reaction to waking up tomorrow without a dime in your name? Well, you mean, I don't have to, well, if I woke up tomorrow, I know I got two checks coming, so it's not that big a deal <laughs> for me. But um, if not, I mean, you just have to get out there and just go, you know, you know, if you're working, you just go out there and go work. I'm not going to go stand on the street corner and talk about I work for food or, you know, anything helps. You just, you know, can't be lazy. You just got to get out there and get get after it. All right, so what was that, on a 1 to 10? Five. Okay. So you and Crystal are just calm. Let me tell you, my response, 15. <laughs> nah. I, I've always been one to... um. Who, who try to who tries to save, right? I've always this is something my my mom taught me. I try to save and um, to have something for an emergency. Uh, back in 2000, and, yeah, January 2013, when I got laid off from one of my jobs, uh, well, from my full time job, uh, I didn't have a huge. I, I didn't panic because I knew I had my savings to fall back on. And so even though I was anxious to get another job, it just didn't really hit me. But if I woke up tomorrow with nothing in my bank accounts, yes, I do have the ability to go and make more money, but, I mean, I would honestly probably start hyperventilating. I just That's just been a huge fear of mine, not having any money to my name whatsoever. And so I don't yeah. know. I don't. Is there is there a condition for that? I don't know what it's called. Is that like a screw? I don't know. Up? Being well yeah. off, I guess. Being no. well off. I mean, and when you when you um, I guess I grew up differently. Well, actually, no, I didn't. I mean, I grew up uh, well off, I guess. But um, yeah, but it went. You know, when I got grown and and things started tumbling downhill pretty fast. Um, you know, I got used to it. I got used to being at the bottom and making my way back up at the top and falling down and going back up. And, you know, so it's not, that's not my, my biggest fear. It's not even, I never thought about it really because, um, because that's not my biggest fear, 
you know, that mm-hmm. that type of thing. So, yeah, money can be made. It's To me, that's just a physical thing. I mean, you know, you lose it all, and you just got to get up and just keep going and just do it all over again, do what you have to do. I mean, I've lived on a lot less than, you know, what I live on now, and, yeah, I mean, it is what it is. It's just life. Just got to keep going. So, and yeah, and I mean, and I think the real fear. I think back to when I um, first moved out of my parents' house, and I don't remember what I did. I, I made a huge mistake writing too many checks uh, for bills. Then, of course, then I had money, and so I wake up on payday, right? And you know how you have this domino effect with bounce checks. And when they hit you with all the bank fees and everything, here it is. I'm however old I am, my early 20s. I wake up on payday thinking I have a direct deposit of however much money in my bank. And I look at my bank account, and I have, like, negative $16 on payday. And I got to go mm-hmm. another two weeks before I get a check. Man, let me tell you, how I didn't, like, stroke out, have a heart attack, kidney failure, and anything else that can go wrong with me, at that very minute, I have no earthly idea. Now, I was able to hustle my way through it and everything, and, um, you know, that's when you have to, I mean, that's when people, you know, hit up the pawn shops and things of that nature. Now, for me, I didn't go to a pawn shop. I used to um, be really big into collecting comic books, and so I was actually able to sell some comic books to, to make some money to try to help get by. Because I did want to ask my parents, especially after just moving out of my house. But I had to float that negative $16 for two weeks, and that was just, man, it was stressful. And I know some people <laughs> may have to do that on a regular basis, living check to check yeah. and everything. But um, <laughs> but I've always tried. And, and it's, me, it's meant going without certain things, you know. I mean, I would pass on. I never own a pair of Jordans or anything like that. I passed on those. Um, I may have passed mm-hmm. on some yeah. trips that some of my friends took because I just didn't want to have a situation to where I was taken out of my savings. So I, I guess my mom was successful in, you know, instilling that in me that if I didn't have my savings, something bad was going to happen. Um, oh, well, yeah. <laughs> I, I still have, still have that fear. Well, so, that's a good fear to have, I guess. I guess. I don't know. That's why I got to, that's why, see, that's why I have to marry someone like you, Crystal, though, that can balance me out so I don't freak out and jump off the roof <laughs> if I see a negative uh, balance in my bank account. Yeah, yeah, that's um, that's not a big deal. <laughs> I mean, it's a big deal, of course, but yeah. there's bigger things to be afraid of, guaranteed. So, and King Merriweather on Twitter says that's uh, probably one of his biggest fears. Um, he said that he raced that as a 10 on a scale of 1 to 10. He said he would get it all back. But, you know, that's probably one of his biggest fears. Uh, I guess I'm not completely alone in this. Mm-hmm. But, all right. Uh, because it's Halloween, before we get to our final thoughts, uh, I just want to discuss, you know, horror movies. And, Crystal, I know you're big into movies. You're big into Halloween, so you have to be big into horror movies. Do you have any recommendations? Really? <laughs> I fucking hate horror movies. They're so stupid. I never would have guessed that you, hate, that you hated horror movies. 
yes, I hate horror movies. I like thrillers. I like I like uh, movies that are based in some sort of actual reality. Um, yeah. I don't like horror. Horror is stupid. <laughs> it's just stupid. Like yeah, I guess all the all the movies that come out like right about now are just so ridiculously stupid. Oh yeah, oh, I mean, I Paranormal know. Activity Thirty Eight. Yeah. <laughs> I remember when I prepared this question, I, I said, you know what, this is for Crystal. And I had no idea. Well, let me ask <laughs> Buck first then. Buck, if you had to recommend, you know, up to three horror movies for the listeners out there to see, what would you What would you tell them? Horror movies? Um, well, I'm a, I'm a throwback when it comes to that, um, you know, horror movies. Um, the three that I'm going to pick... Well, to me, a cult classic, and you know, it's really kind of hard to duplicate. Even though Rob Zombie tried to um, did a fairly decent job when he did Halloween, but the very first Halloween, to me, it's probably one of the scariest movies I've ever seen. Um, it, 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 I mean, it just it's just real creepy, you know, because it's just something that you just don't expect. And this rascal, he just he just you know he's possessed by something. Um, Jaws. Would be the second. I don't know if you want to classify Jaws as a horror movie, I do. but in a I, in a lot of ways, people when people see Jaws, they they think about shark. You know, you know, think about getting eaten by a shark. Now, you know, most people don't. You know, actually, you know, shark deaths are not number one. Believe it or not, when it comes to you know animals killing people, actually, hippopotamus is number one. So, not a shark. Shark, I think, is actually in the top ten, but down close to ten. So, um, but Jaws, in my opinion, would be the second one. The third one, probably Norman Bates and Psycho. Psycho. Because I think we've all run into somebody that's been a little bit crazy. It would, I mean, I don't know, if you travel a lot and you go into hotels, you know, sometimes, sometimes being in a different, you know, being in a hotel, especially if you're by yourself. You hear certain noises, you know, it could be a, it, the hotel can be in a, you know, great area. But it's not, you know, if you watch Psycho and then end up having to go travel, because I did that one time, dude, I was freaked out half the night. I couldn't fucking sleep. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, you know, you think about going, you, think, you know, you go out in the hall, you see somebody standing there, and they may be trying to get in their room, but they're looking at you all funny, and you just saw the movie, and you're freaking out, and then, they kind of look like they freaking, you know, they look kind of stupid, like they're coming after you or some shit. You go back in the room, lock the door, and just, you know, you might sit on the stupid damn chair. You scare your damn self. You scare the shit out of your damn self, and there's really no reason to be scared. But so I would say Psycho would be, I would say, you know, Psycho would be, those are three that I would think, especially if you're younger and you're really trying to scare the shit out of something, because I know Sean Jr. was scared as hell when he saw Halloween. He couldn't even stand the damn mute theme music. That shit make him run down the street when he was little. So I would say those three. Okay. I think those are some pretty good ones. And if I had to pick, I, I'm going first of all. The, the very first uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. The original Nightmare on Elm Street. Mm-hmm. Um, when the concept of not being able to go to sleep without someone killing you—that that that was that was pretty spooky. All right, so that would be my first one. 
Uh, like Buck, I would also have to go with Jaws. I mean, there were people who literally didn't want to take a bath <laughs> after seeing this movie, as if, you know, a great white shark can come up out of your bathtub. Uh, so Jaws would be another one. The third one, this was kind of hard. I thought about The Shining, uh, which is really spooky. You know, almost any movie that has, like, twin kids on it is creepy. For some reason, little twin kids... <laughs> They just creep me out. They just look weird in those type of movies. But anyway, um, I would have to go with a thriller, more on the line of what Crystal was talking about, and Fatal Attraction. Fatal Attraction, <laughs> because that could really happen. Somebody could really yeah. lose it and bore your rabbit. <laughs> you know, I mean, so because that movie can actually happen, that's one that would I would definitely think would be a scary movie to to check out for those who may have missed it. Was that nineteen eighty six? Glenn Close and, and Michael Douglas. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Crystal, do you I want to add anything? I watched. I watched um, that <laughs> okay. First of all, Fatal Attraction is only scary to guys, I think. Um, <laughs> Because they're the one who's fucking around on their wives and shit when they had a chance. Um, that was the moral of that fucking story. Don't fuck around on your wife, man. Um, so, yeah, <laughs> that, that's hilarious that you actually think that was scary. Um, oh, yeah. Jaws, Jaws is, yeah, Jaws is a really good movie. It's a classic. It's, um, I didn't think it was scary. I thought it was, it's, it's a thriller, um, you know, so... Of course, it's different from a horror movie. Um, I guess the the one I can think of that was the most scary for me um, was Exorcist, the original. That was pretty yeah. scary. Um, let's see. Yeah, back when in high school, or actually before high school, I think, um, when, what was that movie? Yeah, no, Nightmare on Elm Street came out. That was That was pretty scary. Um, yeah, yeah, the first one. That first um, one. But yeah, that's um, yeah, it's pretty much it per se. I mean, there have been other movies that are, you know, kind of freaky or whatever. Psycho, Psycho was never really to me scary. I put it in the category of a thriller, but um, it was it was just a, to me it was a very interesting movie about mm-hmm. um. Especially uh, the movies um, that came after Psycho um, throughout the years, because they mm-hmm. really began to explore who he was and how he became the way he was. And then, of course, the um, the uh, series, The Bates Motel, which is actually very good, and it's um, and that is actually very creepy as well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's a very a very good series. But yeah, I mean, you know, but yeah, just your basic what what a horror is, and I do love Stephen King. Um, I love his books more than I love his mo- the movies that they make from his books. Mm-hmm. Um, there have been a few that have been very close to the book. It's hard to to turn a Stephen King book into a, a movie, though, because a lot of the stuff that happens is really happening inside of the person's mind more so than what you see. Yeah, you kind of create the horror. Yeah, that's what he wrote about. He wrote about the horror that's within ourselves. So, 
Um, so that's why I love him. You know, as a, as a, he's a I guess a he's a horror writer definitely, but mm-hmm. but yeah. So I like more the um, I'm more when it comes to I guess horror or a thriller. Really, it's mainly in what I read. Um, Dean Koontz is good. Um, yeah. Um, Paul Fall, Pia Straub, you know, those types of, I like reading those types of, of books because it really gets into the, the mind of the people and, and of everyday life that happens. So that's pretty horrific. You know, reality is pretty goddamn horrific. So, oh, yeah. Yeah, that's why I don't need horror movies because, you know, day-to-day is pretty horrible. Huh. Waking <laughs> up with sixteen dollars in your negative sixteen dollars in your bank account. Yeah, well, uh, that's not that. But yeah, but yeah, you know. But anyway, yeah. I mean, yeah. That's a, I think, like I said, The Exorcist that's really tops it for me. Uh, the first one, anyway, it was very, very scary back then, and still is. I mean, it, it's the test of time kind of a movie. It's really creepy. Okay. I'm telling you, anything with some kids in it, man, Children of the Corn, or something like that, Village of the Damned, mm-hmm. man, that's that's gonna mm-hmm. uh, that's gonna creep me out. That's gonna creep <laughs> me out. Kids, and, um, and then of course anything dealing with like voodoo or man, the Serpent and the Rainbow, man, I couldn't even get through <laughs> all that movie. Man, I couldn't even get through all of that. It was just too much going on. Uh, what was the movie that? Um, Lisa Bonet was in, was it Ease Bayou? No. What was that called? No, that's not that that's too bad movie. Something, um, something Heart, Sacred? Angel Heart. Angel Heart. Or whatever. Yeah. That movie was just, that was just yeah, weird. Yeah, with Mickey Rourke. That was yeah. really good. And um, Which he's weird that, by himself. Yeah. Actually, I learned how to um, open an egg from watching that movie. <laughs> Because he open an egg, un- to crack an egg, a boiled egg. Oh, okay, okay. I, I learned how to do it from that movie. <laughs> That's funny. But uh, no, that was a really good movie. When I first um, watched it, it wasn't. Um, I wasn't. I wasn't quite sure what was happening. Um, mm-hmm. I had to watch it again to really, to really understand. And it wasn't until much later, like in the last few years, when I watched it for the first time in a long time. That I really got it because some a lot of movies that I watch, you know, when you're a teenager and mm-hmm. you know, you don't really get the full concept of what's happening right. um, in movies. So, but when you watch them again, you're like, oh wow, this is really in- actually interesting. <laughs> so yeah, don't have to see that again. Don't have to finish watching The Serpent in the Rainbow when they um, <laughs> nailed that guy to to a stump by his scrotum. I was done. That's oh. saying too much. <laughs> All right, so we will go ahead and wrap things up. You can give your final thoughts on real life creepy stuff. And um, Buck, I'll go ahead and let you go. What a great show tonight. I mean, we covered a lot of ground as far as you know what <clears throat> what fears we have, but. Things that I, you know, what I found is, you know, as I've gotten older, face your fears. Um, Because to me, if you face them, then you're not, you know, you're not afraid of it anymore. Um, Something that we didn't, we didn't talk about certain animals that scared us. The snakes scare. Um, I'm not a fan of snakes. 
but in even recent years, um, you know, I've been able to if I see one, I'll kill one. I remember the very yeah. first snake that I, the very first snake I killed here, um, I actually ran over it in the car, and I thought I had done something cool. So I called my sister because I know my sister, is, who's three and a half years younger than me, has already killed a many a snake, not me. And I told her I ran over the car. She laughed at me. She goes, when you kill it with a hoe or a rake or something like that, then call me. I was like, fuck you, man. I killed it there. You know, so anyway, uh, one day I was outside and I was cutting the grass and I killed. A, I ran over a copperhead with a lawnmower, but it didn't kill it. So the first thing I thought about was my grandma was, you know, grabbing a, grabbing a you know, garden hoe and going out there to kill the snake. So I was like, you know what, since this joker didn't die, it's going to die today. I grabbed that, I grabbed the garden hoe, came out there, put it on the sidewalk, and I beat that, and my hoe wasn't sharp enough. So I beat the shit out of the damn snake and killed it. So it was really funny because somebody was passing the house when I was out there killing it, and the guy was looking at me all crazy like, what the hell are you doing? I'm killing the snake. He said, I think, he, I think it's dead. You've been hitting it for about five minutes. So... <laughs> Mm. So then I, I took a picture of the damn snake and sent it to my sister. She goes, all right. She goes, that, that qualifies. She goes, what, why is it knotted up? I said, I beat the hell out of it. So it was kind of funny. She goes, like, you, you finally earned your damn merit for killing the snake. But it was just the fact of the matter was not because it was venomous or anything like that. It was, a, you know, you face the fear and you finally get over it. They still may freak you out a little bit, but at least now you know, you know, you go ahead and kill the damn thing. So... I mean, face your fears, whatever those fears may be, whether it be animals, whether it be whether you don't have enough money in your bank account, what have you. Just face the fears, and typically when you face them, you probably get over the, you know, you get over whatever that fear is. You usually, you know, can resolve it fairly quickly and get a resolution faster than you would if you just, you know, be scared of it and go the other way. So that's my advice to people that have fears. But great show. And looking forward to some general coverage. Thank you, sir. And uh, yeah, I, I agree that uh, as far as snakes are concerned, I personally I'm okay with snakes as long as I see them before they see me. I hate walking up on one and being surprised if I see him first. The rule is I have to kill him. That's just the rule, you know. So for all you people out there. PETA, all you animal lovers and all that stuff. I'm sorry. If I see it, I have to kill it. All right. Crystal, give your final thoughts, (laughs) ma'am. Well, I guess I will, along with Mississippi, cross off Florida (laughs) to visit. I do not like snakes, and I don't want to be in a place where I can walk up on one. Um, Mm Mm-hmm. This is not, no, man. Oh, my God. Um, anyway, but, yeah, when I was uh, living in Tennessee, I um, there would sometimes be, like, I guess some garden snakes or whatever around. Mm-hmm. Ugh. 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 I can't stand that. I can't. Ugh. No. I'd rather have a scorpion come at me than a snake. <laughs> so, and human and <laughs> animal. But um, it was a good show. Uh, interesting uh, topic uh, regarding Halloween and all of that. You know, I've never, speaking of Halloween, I've never seen Halloween. 
I keep getting Halloween huh. confused with that other movie series. What was it? Um, Friday the 13th. Yeah, Friday the 13th. I keep getting those confused. I have no idea which who was the bad guy or in the one or the other. I don't know. Yeah, Jason. Who was, was the Friday one Jane the Fonda was in? We, um, I'm guessing that might have been Friday the Thirteenth because um, uh, oh, what's the lady's name that was in Halloween? But Jamie, um, Jamie, oh, Jamie Curtis, Jamie Lee Curtis, yes. Oh, yeah. that's what I'm thinking of. I'm thinking of Jamie Lee Curtis, not Jane Fonda. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, I never seen yeah. those movies. I, I think I saw. I can't remember which one I saw, but I, when they first when they first came out, I think I went with a bunch of friends to see one of them, and I don't know which one it was. <laughs> but anyway, um, but yeah, good show. I agree with Buck. Um, face your fear. And when he was saying that, the only thing I could think about is a movie called Defending Your Life, and it's a comedy, and they kept talking about facing your fear. It was just hilarious movie. So. That's all I saw when he was saying that over and over again. <laughs> but um, but I don't know. Good, good show. Yeah, and I agree with Buck. They don't really trick or treat anymore. Um, mm-hmm. Some people do, but I think that everybody kind of stays in particular areas. People kind of go to neighborhoods that are nice. We were talking about that on the radio a few days ago about where to take your kids because you know no one really stays in their own community unless they happen to live in a certain community that does the Halloween candy. I mean, they do the whole thing. Like, they really decorate their house and have the whole experience. That's where a lot of kids go nowadays. Or they don't go trick-or-treating at all. They just, um, the parents take them to a party or take them to, like, a school or a church or something like that. Right. But, yeah. Which is, you know, and that's because the, you know, People have ruined it. The ones who have just, you know, put like, you know, razor blades and apples or something like that or poison here and mm-hmm. those types of stories, you know, myth or not. I mean, it's like it's made kids or parents say, no, we're not going to do that anymore. Not gonna. And then it made people say, okay, well, I'm not going to buy candy. It's, it, this could happen. So I'm not going to even go there. So, so yeah, it's ruined basically the holiday, the spirit of the holiday. I know, uh, it's a good right? show, and I look forward to the next one next week, I guess. Well, thank you. And speaking of that, the segue, um, next Tuesday, we'll discuss how to complain effectively. We'll take a look at how you can gripe and have a better chance of getting what you want from a significant other, on the job, Um being serviced somewhere as far as a business. That's what we're going to get into next Tuesday on the Fox Q Radio Show. No experts, just opinions. 10 p.m. Eastern. And next Wednesday, do you throw away a good relationship over bad sex? I mean, that's self-explanatory, that title. So we'll have a lot of fun next week. And I appreciate you all entertaining me tonight with my little twist on fear. Um, I didn't want to talk about different phobias and things of that nature. I want to talk about stuff people really got to deal with, you know. Um, there's some people who really have to deal with, uh, you know, being broke or a busted condom ruining their life because they slept with someone they really had no business being with. 
Buy anything that day. There you go. <laughs> so now you worry about your rabbit and getting stabbed. So, uh, yeah. But I appreciate you all entertaining me. And speaking of movies, um, something that I haven't watched, and Crystal, I'm pretty sure you probably will watch it if you haven't already. Have you seen the trailer for the Netflix original film, Beast of No Nation? No, never heard of it. Okay. Um, It's basically a movie about a civil war um, tearing apart an African family. And that this boy is being turned into a child soldier. Mm-hmm. And um, it looks really interesting. I think Idris Elba is the, like the general of the army or something. Ooh, um, okay. Well, that that but sounds the, interesting. Yeah, the trailer <laughs> is really cool. I think it's, um, it's something that Netflix is releasing in theaters, in limited theaters, but also releasing simultaneously on the website. And uh, it just looked like it's a really interesting movie. So... Uh, Beast of No Nation. So well, if Idris is there, I'm I'm going to watch. So there it is. Okay. See, had you had Idris. <laughs> All right. <laughs> well, we're going to take a quick break before we get into some zone coverage. Um, in the meantime, I do want to thank my show legends for holding it down for me. My Facebookers, tweet chatters, thank you for participating on tonight's show. The upcoming show schedule can be found at talktheq.com. If you want to hear previous shows, then subscribe to me on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, or the Good Radio Network and get caught up. For those of you who aren't going to talk sports with me and Buck, um, Crystal, (laughs) on Zone Coverage, have a great night. I will talk to you on Tuesday. Everyone else, hang on for a bit. I have another song to play. Uh, This is off of the album Here We Are, which is available on digital platforms such as iTunes, Spotify, and and RDO. And this is by the artist Garth Adam. And the name of the song is This Time. After this, we'll come back with some zone coverage. I will take it with everything I've got 
T2Q, you know how we do it. We like to talk sports, mainly the NFL, sideline to sideline, end zone to end zone. That's just how we get down. All right, let me get my man Buck back on the line. What up, what up? <laughs> and, uh, Buck, let, let me ask you this, man. Um, you know, everyone over the last few days has been talking about the whole uh, Greg Hardy incident. People have been talking about, does Andrew Luck suck right now? People have been talking about, 
It's Ben Roethlisberger and Dez Bryant going to play Sunday, man. Think about where sports was when we were growing up and thinking about the sports news, rather. Think about where sports news was when we were growing up and where it is now to where we have tons of information coming at us um, ad nauseum, man. I mean, just try to compare it for those who may not be um, as seasoned as we are. It's amazing. Um, I remember, you know, back in the day when I was coming up and we were making our picks and our selections, um, you know, I was looking at the injury report, uh, you know, before people were looking at injury reports, um, you know, trying to determine who was going to win games. Um, a lot of times you didn't, you know, now, you know, teams don't even disclose a lot of that information to the, as uh, Mike Tomlin puts it, the 11th hour um, or right before game time. Um, you know, then, you know, when, when things start evolving from the newspaper, you have pagers. I had a worldwide pager that uh, displayed a lot of the NFL information. Um, Pat actually had three pagers. Um, they had, um, you know, one had, you know, all NFL, NASCAR, NBA, baseball, what have you, you know, and it was just coming at you. And then, the you know, cell phones evolved. And, you know, now you got, you know, you, you got, you can, tune in right into the NFL network or ESPN or Fox or CBS or whoever, you know, whoever carries the sport that you, you know, that you like to follow. And the information is right there at your fingertips. You know, no longer you do you have to go to the store and pay $2 for a newspaper or wait for the Sunday paper and those type of things. I mean, you get a newspaper now, that information is so in the past. You know, everything is right here in your face. Um, whether Dez Bryant's going to play or not, um, shoot, I get an NFL updates, so I don't, I don't know, you know, something, you know, if Greg Hardy gets fined, or, you know, um, I think William Gay got fined for having something, you know, wearing type, certain type of cleats for, you know, for domestic violence. All of that stuff is right here at my fingertips. So, you know, as soon as the NFL insiders get the information, I get the information. And it's pretty cool to, you know, get some of that information, especially if, you you know, you put your favorite team in. You can, you know, you get all that information right there at your fingertips. Or you can stream it from your phone to your television. It's just, it's rare, it's incredible. You know, every day to the people who may have been born since um, 19, you know, 95, it may just be everyday life to them. But to to me, I remember... Look at the Clarion Ledger, and the only way to know what roster moves have been made, there was a section in the newspaper in the sports section called the roll call. And you had to read the roll call to find out who had been cut, who had been signed to a new contract, and everything. So that's something you, you know, you got the newspaper in the afternoon, you went to see what your team did. And I remember reading box scores the next day. You know, when a game ended, on Sunday, you always didn't know how many rushing yards your favorite player had or how many receiving yards or tackles your favorite player had. You had to wait until the newspaper came out the next day to read all the box scores. And I remember laying out the sports section on the floor and lying down on the floor as a kid and reading all the box scores. And um, things have changed so much with all the information you have now. It's, you know, instant, um, just, you know, being fed to you constantly, so but it's super cool. 
considering where we used to come from. All right, but we're going to keep this brief, man, since it's just us, and we'll talk about our teams. The 6-0 and Bengals travel to the 4-3 and Steelers. Cincinnati's uh, minus one-and-a-half one favorites in this one. Uh, 1 p.m. Eastern start time, chance of rain in Heinz Field. Uh, this is a big game for you all because it gives you a chance to, you know, get a half game behind Cincinnati and bring them back down to earth because if you all – lose this game, they're going to have a three-game lead and, um, you know, a win over you. I think this is a game that the Steelers is a must-have. It's a must-have game for us. Um, it really doesn't matter who played. I mean, even if Ben didn't play and, you know, we started Landry Jones, who got moved up to number two this week, um, it doesn't matter. Um, this is a game that we have to have. We're playing at Heinz Field, you know, hometown fans, and you know, we, we have to have this game. And in order for us um, to win this game, uh, last week's game against the Kansas City Chiefs, we turned the ball over way too much, which is something we hadn't done a whole lot of this year. Um, up until that point, we were leading, we were plus six in, you know, the you know turnover ratio. So we have to play error-free football. Um, we got to make sure, you know, we get the running game run, going going well. We have to we have to stop Cincinnati and we have to stop their tight tight end. I'm you know tight ends have been our weak spot all year. So their tight end has been uh, I can't remember what his name is, but I know he's been getting a lot. Who's their players. tight end? Yeah, their tight end. Uh, and, uh, I, he's been doing real well. You know, AJ Green he's gonna get his. But in order for us to in order for us to be successful, no turnovers. Uh, convert third downs because we had a lot of makeable third downs last week, third and one, third and two, three, and, you know, third and four, and we didn't make them. Um, and also we got to, we got to get off the field on defense on third down. And in the games that we lost, we failed in those three areas, mainly the last two, not so much the turnovers. So, you know, getting off the field, getting, getting their offense off the field on third down is going to be crucial for us. And being able to get, um, being able to convert third downs, makeable third downs, you know, we need to do that. Too far, too often, regardless of who the team is, um, these little, you know, throwing shorter the marker and trying to get yak yards is not the way to get a first down. Go past the mar- marker. If you're gonna do a curl route, do a curl route past the marker. Don't do it to the marker, because we know how these damn referees mark the spot. So. You know, hopefully some Steelers Steeler players actually listen to this. Get past the marker to get the first down. Don't go to the line and, you know, run down the line to get it. Go past the marker so you that way you know you got the first down. And I think those are the keys to victory as far as the Steelers go. Okay. All right. And speaking of referees, man, you know, referees have been messing up this year. Did you see in the, um, was it the Carolina-Philly game with the, the tackle came in and made himself eligible, looked right at the referee and said he was eligible, and then they turned right around after the play and threw a flag on him for being an ineligible receiver. Yeah. And then he'll probably be suspended too. And, I, I, I'm, I'm, you know, they need to start doing that on a more of a consistent basis. Um, it's time out for the, the referees. I mean, these guys have to be accountable just like the players have to be accountable. So if you're going to make bad calls like that, then you should be reprimanded for it. And you need to yeah. rep- be reprimanded more than just 
a slap on the hand or not being able to official, you know, officiate certain games, I think you should be suspended like they did a couple of other, you know, referees already this season. Okay. All right. Well, let's see. The three and four Seahawks travel to the two and four Cowboys. Seahawks are minus six um, in this game. Last year, Dallas won 30-23. This is a very pivotal game last year, and it's going to be a very pivotal game this year. If Dallas win this game, wins this game, it turns their season around uh, with the victory. Having said that, it's going to take a lot to get over on the Seahawks, who haven't been playing well, but they've been playing better than Dallas. Um, Dez Bryant is practicing, so we're assuming that he's going to play. He's questionable. We don't know for sure. Um, however, if he does play, you still got to have someone who's going to throw him the ball. But at least that gives Dallas an extra threat. Um, I do think Dallas is capable of winning this game. I just don't think they're going to do it with the way they've been playing. They've been finding ways to lose games that they should have won. Uh, right now, Jason Witten is their leading receiver, and that can't happen. They they need to be led by a wide receiver as good as Jason Witten is. Um, Darren McFadden is going to start. We'll see what he does as a starter. Um, and hopefully Greg Hardy won't kill anybody before the game is over. So <laughs> we'll see what happens in this one. But um, I think it's going to be a pretty good game. And like I said, Dallas is capable of winning. I just don't like them at home. If they were going to Seattle, I'd actually feel better about them being on the road because they normally play tougher on the road. But, yeah, all right. Um, other games that may have some importance. The Giants at four and three travel to the three and four Saints. That's going to really put a damper on someone's season to lose that game. Um, let's see, the Houston Texans at two and five against the one and five Tennessee Titans is still a big game because you know, the person leading the AFC South only has three victories. So you know, there's both of these teams are still very much hunt with these subpar records. Uh, yeah, the I mean, Jets, huh? I said I, I think that is going to be a big game simply because Houston. I think Houston going to come out on top of this, and the reason why I think so now that Brian Hoyer don't have doesn't have uh, Mallet behind him, you know, and they're not playing, you know, carousel at at the quarterback position. That gives him a solid week of work, and it, it'll be a confidence builder. For Hoyer, so therefore he can, you know, possibly maybe turn this, you know, team season around. They got, you know, they have a lot of holes. Especially, I think Arian Foster's out for the season now because I think he did uh, MCL oh, yeah. or ACL with torn, torn interior cruciate ligament or something. But I mean, now it's Hoyer's team, so you can't really depend on the run. You got to depend on Hoyer, and you know, you know, he has shown flashes. He's shown flashes when he was a backup for the Steelers. He's shown flashes. When he played for Cleveland, now that you know he may be taking the reins, you know for the rest of the season, maybe you know he can study his craft and get better, and you know maybe he can turn the season around. Maybe they can at least you know try to win the division because they still got a chance. Okay. Well, we'll see what happens. Um, the four and two Jets going to the three and three Raiders is going to be a good game. That's important. Uh, of course, the 6-0 and Packers and the 6-0 and Broncos at Invesco Field or Sports Authority Field or Mild High Stadium or whatever you want to call it, Weed High Stadium. 
um, get high stadium. That's what they need to call it. Um, that's going to be the Sunday night game, and that's going to be an awesome game to have two six and zero teams. And the Dolphins tomorrow at three and three going against the six and zero Patriots is an important game because it's a division game. And I'm curious to see with, you know, has Dan Campbell really sparked something in the Dolphins team? Can they give the Patriots fits just like the Jets did just a few days ago? I think so. they can, man. I mean, the Miami Dolphins, regardless of who the coach has been, dude, they always play the Patriots tough. And they seem like in the last I – mean, you may want to look this up while I'm talking about this. I think the Dolphins and the, and the Patriots have split for the last three or four years straight. So um, if they haven't split, at least they were – you know, they were definitely – you know, very spirited games. So, with that, I mean, Campbell got these boys playing good. You know, the sacks are up. You know, the uh-huh. pass defense is up. Um, you know, uh, the whole. No, they ain't split in a minute. So, at least they play very close. So, well, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Hold on, hold on. I'm looking at this round. Um, let's see. 2012, Patriots won 28 nothing. 2013, they won 27-17. Dolphins won 24-20. Dolphins won 33-20. Patriots won 41-13. They've gone back and forth a little bit. Yeah, so this is a game that is not, you know, this is one of them damn games like the Kansas City Steelers game last week. This could be a trap game for New England. Because when they're lackadaisical, and, and you know, you got Dominican Sue on the other side. You got Cameron Wake on the other side. And, you know, Tom Brady got his ass wrong. He got bell wrong last week, so it wouldn't be out the realm of possibility he might get it wrong again this week. Uh-huh. Okay. All right. Well, looking at um, college football, the only top 25 matchup is number nine, Notre Dame goes on the road to number 21, Temple. Uh, which is kind of cool within itself. The Temple is freaking seven and up. The Temple Isles, known for a basketball school, and they're seven and up in football. But no other um, games really piqued my interest. Georgia at Florida, maybe. I mean, Georgia's not even ranked anymore. Uh, so yeah, that's probably the only game that piques my interest. But all right, but I guess I'll go ahead and wrap things up, man, and, and get me an early night. And we'll try to get back after it next week. Um, let's see, what was I getting ready to say? Um, I, I guess, you know, the, the NBA has started, so at some point we might look at certain matchups, but, you know, it's hard for me to get into the NBA before the All Star break because it's all about Great. football up until then. Um, I do, what's going on? Is it, um, is it the last NASCAR race this weekend? Nope, last NASCAR race is not until um, not until November. In um, I think the third week of November. Actually, got four more four more races left. I can't think where they go. I think they're going to Martinville this week. They got three races in this next round, and then there's only one race in Miami Homestead in the final round where there four will be competing for the championship. Um, but I did want to make one NASCAR note. This past week, NASCAR actually made a rule, and they made a rule saying that they were going to have one attempt at a green-white checker in the interest of safety in Talladega. Mm-hmm. However, they they went the scheduled distance and did not go 
the green, you know, they didn't do the white, green, white checker. Thus, causing Dale Jr. not to make the next round. Now, NASCAR, I don't have a problem with NASCAR making rule changes because they do it, you know, they do it at their discretion. But this is a chase, okay? And two things happened in, in, on, this, on that last caution to bring out, you know, the freeze to feel, and Joey Logano ended up sweeping the, this, this whole round, this, this past round of uh, competition. Dale Jr. finished second. The thing was is that Kevin Harvick had a car that was going bad, and you could hear him talking about it over the radio. Um, NASCAR and drivers meetings before the race go over certain certain rules that drivers are supposed to follow. Now, Kevin Harvick knew that if he fooled around and at least finished in the top 20 with his car blowing up, as he said on the radio, if you, you know your car is blowing up and you're getting ready to go to green flag conditions, if you're on the high side, go to the high side. If you're on the low side, drop out of the line. Don't try to make your car go when you know it's blowing up and thus causing a massive wreck behind, you know, the big one coming up to speed. And then, the, the you know, the caution flag comes out and freezes the field, and NASCAR say, all right, we're going to end the race on caution. Two things, you know, those two things happen, and they screwed up, and they screwed up the chase. Let the guys race and see if they can, you know, see if you can race your way into the chase. That's what it's all about. You say your interest on winning. Well, I think NASCAR dropped the ball on this one. They they didn't race. They just ended the race on the caution. You know, we've seen that before. You basically didn't get started. So if you didn't get started, then you need to clear off the track, go back around a couple of times, make sure the house, and make sure the you know the track is clear. And actually do a green white checker, and I was a little bit irritated. I actually sent I actually sent an email in the NASCAR about it because they didn't follow their own rules that they set, and I I don't think Kevin Harvick should get in trouble for it. But I guarantee you, going into the next race at the drivers meeting, if you got car problems, you better pull out a line, buddy, so that way you don't mess up the whole field because you're having car issues. Mm-hmm. That's a mess. Yeah. A mess. I mean, you got Ken, you had Kenseth and Earnhardt Jr. Well, Kenseth was behind Harvick, and Kenseth had to race his way in. Who could have? If it was a green white tracker, Kenseth could have, you know, come up and possibly, you know, bid for the win. Um, it also messed up Denny Hamlin's chances of, um, um, you know, making it to the next round. Um, and, all, and Dale Jr. Of course, he was second. Who knows? You know, there was a lot of different different storylines in that race that were not completed simply because NASCAR dropped the ball. And, I, and uh-huh. you know, the NASCAR fans, since I was four years old, so I've seen a lot of things happen in the time, and I've seen people, you know, get fined and things of that nature. But when you do something like this during your so-called playoffs, and you know Dale Jr. is the most popular driver, and you didn't give him an opportunity to race his way into the next, Next round, I think you dropped the ball in that case. And I'm not saying that because I'm an Earnhardt fan. I'm just saying that because I think you dropped the ball. No doubt. All right, man. I appreciate all of that. And, you know, NASCAR, like I said, I give them credit for trying to change the rules on the fly. But, like you said, sometimes they just got to think. So. Yep. All right, man. I'm going to shut this thing down. You all have been listening to Zone Coverage on the Talk to Q radio show. No experts, just opinions. Guys talking sports is what we do. Go to TalkToQ.com to get more show information. You all have a great night. Peace out.